Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, maybe. Back to work, maybe. We go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Wake up, 
these white dogs doing in the city? And they lost looking for meaning. Flying so pretty in this cold, dark city.
J.M. in the A.M. There we go. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Welcome. It's Monday. <laughs> it is a Monday morning broadcast here at J.M. in the A.M. On this March the 16th, day 20 of the month of Adar. You know what they say, Mishnichnas Adar, Marbin Bisimcha. The month of Adar is one of great joy. So sometimes it may be difficult for us to see the joy and the gladness and the happiness, but... We're going to try very hard to remind everybody that we are in a great month of Adar and that Bezrat Hashem, please God, things will improve very, very quickly as we get closer and closer to the month of Geula, the month of redemption, Chodesh Nisan. And um, if we follow the instructions of those who are professionals in the area of good health and hygiene, if we follow the advice of those who've spent their lives examining disease and illness, if we uh, are careful to follow the instructions of those who are making difficult but yet intelligent decisions, then hopefully we will all be uh, in the clear very, very soon. That's what we're hoping for, that everything gets cleared up very, very soon and that we're able to go about our normal lives that we love so much. Sometimes when you don't have something, when you don't have a synagogue to go to, when you don't have a uh, social environment to be in, when you don't have a favorite uh, restaurant or gathering place to frequent, you start to appreciate what you normally have during normal life. And that's one of the lessons we're certainly learning now. Moshe Hecht had Inspire Me. Imesh Gachech was done by Yehuda Green. Benny Friedman's Ivdu. Im Tachaneh from Yonatan Scheinfeld. Barchenu done by Mordechai Shapiro. Mayor Sherman, our Monday morning theme song, Masach HaShem, and of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Monday on uh, on this Monday, uh, the 16th of March and 20th of Adar. 37 degrees, mostly sunny today with a high temperature of 45. Then tonight, light rain late with a low of 41. Tomorrow morning showers and a high temperature, 57 degrees. 65 right now in Yerushalayim, we're at 37 here in New York, as we say good morning at JM in the AM. A reminder, by Pesach Krohn was with us last week. If you missed the interview, it was a good one. You can check it out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. You can see the video there, and obviously you can check it out in our archives. Uh, anyway, you go to artscroll.com, go to artscroll.com. The brand new book at the Magid's Seder is available to you. At a 15% discount if you use the promo code radio. Go to artscroll.com, use promo code radio. Again, um, again, uh, enjoy a 15% discount when you use that promo code for Rabbi Crone's brand new book. Um, at the Magid Seder. Listener Daniela's out there. Nahum, I just drove from Ben Gurion Airport back to Efrat after dropping off a friend returning to the States because her school closed. I was pleasantly surprised to hear your voice on the early show to keep me company during the long drive, so thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Daniela. And I'm glad I was in early this morning and was able to get the bonus JM started early. We got on really early this morning, Baruch Hashem. And here we are live with JM in the AM. I've asked Rabbi Goldwasser to join us live. It would be wonderful to have his words of inspiration this morning. We will see if he's able to do it. 
We'll find out if he's able to do it. I've, I've invited Dr. Stuart Dietrich, who has a lot to say regarding being very, very careful during this crisis. Uh, again, uh, at, at his earliest opportunity, he'll join us, hopefully today. If not, then it'll be uh, certainly uh, you know in the very, very near future. I've asked Jake Novak to join us. A lot to talk about regarding the uh, political-slash-economic situation. Uh, so we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, hopefully he'll join us. Again, I've uh, issued an invitation to him for later on this uh, program. And um, we will try our best to keep you as inspired, as informed, and as uh, uplifted as possible during all of this. After all, that's our role, in my opinion, is to keep everybody inspired and uplifted. And uh, you've chosen a good place to be, a wonderful place to gather together and uh, enjoy a uh, a wonderful group atmosphere in this in this era of isolation in this era where it's uh, difficult to get together uh in an era where it's a uh frankly a hard to believe how difficult it is to get together with others and how the um good practices socially and medically prevent that uh, but here we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to get together and be together here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and I'm glad you are with us no matter where you are around the world. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Here's Simcha Liner.
Himena nili, anili, mili Shanili, yatsmili, yatsmimo, ani Himena nili, himena nili, mili Himena nili, anili, mili Shanili, yatsmili, yatsmimo, ani Himena nili, himena nili, mili Himena nili, anili, mili Shanili, yatsmili, yatsmimo, ani Himena nili, himena nili, mili
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, yes. That's uh, that's from Pure Soul. That's the name of that album. It's actually a nice album. It's uh, Le'olam is the name of the selection. Li Yishuascha, Shlomo Katz. Great words for this period of time. Uh, Ki Avi, done by the friends at uh, Waterbury Yeshiva. Shlomi Gertner, Yemen Anili Mili, and Lecha. That was Simcha Liner. Opening up that set. Monday morning on this March 16th, the 20th of Adar. We have some special guests coming up. Dr. Stuart Ditchick's going to join us. Uh, he's been very outspoken about the um, about the uh, scourge of coronavirus, and he's publicly begged Jewish institutions and organizations to heed his words. We'll speak to him at eight o'clock, seven thirty. Or by David Goldwasser with words of inspiration. Or by David Goldwasser is going to be live. We'll have words of inspiration. I told her by Goldwasser, I said, there are people who are sad, rightfully so, that their synagogues are closed. We're all sad, frankly, that our synagogues are closed. We need some words of inspiration. He'll join us with that coming up at about 7.30 Eastern time here at JM in the AM. And I welcome all of you from around the world. We are live at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSingle.com and the NahumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. If you'd like to uh, dedicate part or all of a JMN broadcast for a yard site uh, or in place of um, saying Kaddish for somebody, we of course have Rabbi Goldwasser and Rabbi Yudin, who are uh, on a regular basis giving Divrei Torah here. If you'd like to sponsor any of that, uh, all the information at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Go to Sponsorship Opportunities fjbunity.org fjbunity.org It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel network and of course on the beloved NSN app are we having trouble with our news from Israel? It seems that we are hmm that's unusual alright I apologize for that our news from Israel feed is not being cooperative. I can tell you, based on what the Jerusalem Post is telling us, that uh, the president of the state of Israel is giving Benny Gantz a mandate to form a government. Um, it says here, Gantz outreaches elbow to Netanyahu for unity. <laughs> the elbow bumps are getting a lot of publicity these days, that's for sure. Uh, Israeli cases of the virus have gone to 255 as an intern at Ichalov Hospital has contracted coronavirus. Um, one of the, the Israeli Nobel laureate in the, uh, in the area of medicine now says that the coronavirus spread is slowing in Israel. Thank God. The IDF is seeing a decrease in enemy activity amid the coronavirus outbreak. Thank God. Yeah, there are certain uh, benefits, I guess, to the uh, coronavirus, I guess. And um, and we move into hour number two here at JMNAM, trying to inspire everybody, keep everybody together. We are committed to keeping this community active, to keeping this community of JMNAM and the Nahum Single Network um, at, at full volume, at full volume around the world. And I thank you all for tuning in. 
Keep it here at JM in the AM where we start the 7 o'clock hour here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
J.M. in the A.M. No truer words ever. Lo yanum v'lo yishan shomer Yisrael. And I think we could, we could extend that to the rest of the world as well. He never stops watching over us, that's for sure. Um... That was a Miami Mizrach. Before that, Amiran Dvir with the Lizamer Nigun, Yidel Hadlevechad. JM and the AM, good morning. It's Monday on this March 16th, the 20th of Adar. Glad we could all be together as you're tuned in and listening in to a JM and the AM broadcast from New York City that's going all around the world. And I welcome those of you who comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Let us know where you are, what you want to hear. Tell us something that would be uh, inspiring at this time. Tell us some words that would be that would be um, inspirational and worthy of conveying to others. That's what we're looking for. Um, we have set our lineup now for this morning, so we have uh, both inspiration and information. Coming at you in rapid-fire fashion. Uh, Rabbi Goldwasser will be live with us about 10 minutes from now. Rabbi Goldwasser will be live with us. Uh, We'll hear his words of inspiration. Uh, Dr. Stuart Ditchick at the top of the hour, who will no doubt um, encourage this audience around the world to be diligent when it comes to taking care of ourselves during this coronavirus situation. Jake Novak on the political and economic situation that you can uh, expect as best as he can predict. That'll be about 8.15. Or by Dr. Aaron Glatt, who we know from the Young Israel of Woodmere and who is an expert when it comes to infectious disease, he can give us his perspective and will give his perspective on the uh, current situation. So there is a a lot going on, a lot of people that we're going to be featuring this morning here at... um, JM in the AM, and I'm glad you're with us. I'm glad you're with us to be together with us during this Monday morning broadcast. Uh, Mayor Weingarten is scheduled to do an Israel show at 9 a.m., and I thank him for that. I am sure he'll have an update regarding the formation of the government or the possible formation of the government, and uh, no doubt uh, plenty to say about what's happening in Israel at this time. Again, if you want to comment on the app and be in touch with us, uh, you can go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. And the other method, of course, is to use the email address, Nahum, N-A-C-H-U-M, at Nahum Siegel, N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L.com. Thank you. 
Rosie, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if it's fast, I like it. Okay. 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 Israel Israel
Jam in the AM Monday. Uh, Mea Pa'amim, that's done by uh, Micha Gammerman. You heard Ma'aminim done by Eighth Day. That's a good song for these times. Anachnu Ma'aminim B'nai Ma'aminim. Aish with Leif Tahar from the brand new Aish volume number three here at Jam in the AM. I'm going to turn to my Goldwasser in a minute, uh, and I thank him for joining us live. I thank him very much for joining us live. Uh, many people have suggested, and yesterday during a conversation with the great Simon Jacob, uh, he and I concluded that it would be a good idea, uh, in light of the uh, of the news of the day, and in light of the fact that we have very limited capability to daven together, very limited capability to daven together, uh, because of the um, shuls closed. Obviously, some shuls are still open, and obviously, people around the world there are still minyanim that are taking place. But you get my point. There are a lot of people in this audience who have not had the opportunity to daven together. So he suggested that we start. Uh, this segment with a uh, chapter of Psalms, a chapter of Tehillim. 
So everybody out there, you have an opportunity, if you wish, to uh, say this along with me, and um, and hopefully it'll bring a little bit of uh, comfort to those who are missing the experience of davening together with a minion. We know that tefillah b'tzibor prayer in a uh, communal fashion is so much better. You can't even compare uh, to when one is needs to pray alone. So hopefully, because we have this communal setting, we'll be able to feel the uh, the power of the um, of the congregation. And we know that when the congregation gets together, even in this unique and unusual fashion, uh, the one above pays careful attention. So I will read this chapter of Tehillim, and then I'm going to introduce her by Goldwasser, who's going to speak to us further about this entire concept. Shir hamalos mimamakim karosicho Adonai. Adonai shimavakoli tiyeno aznecha kashuvos lekol tachanunai. Im avonos tishmarya Adonai mi yamod. Ki macho haslicha leman tivorei. Kivisi Adonai kivisa nafshi vlitvaro hocholti. Nafshi ladonai mishomim laboker, shomrim laboker. Yachel Yisrael ladonai ki im Adonai hachesed vharbe imo fedus. And I also wanted to point out, in addition to saying a chapter of Tehillim together, we should remember that on Mondays we read the Torah. And again, Torah reading is something that we, who are not going to shul these days, uh, are missing. We're missing the public reading of the Torah, like uh, many of us missed Parshas Kisisa and Parshas Parah this past Shabbos. So I remind you, even though some have suggested we should actually read the Torah portion on the air, I'm not quite sure based on my conversations with certain rabbinic authorities that that would be a good idea, but I can remind you that today in Parshas Vayakel in the portion that we read, in addition to the um, many, many items of the Mishkan that are discussed, uh, the day of Shabbos is discussed, the reminder of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, our leader Moses, to the entire people who are gathered together about how important Shabbos is, and I'm sure many people, thank God, even if we were not able to make it to shul this past Shabbos, uh, certainly try to enhance our own Shabbos in our own homes with our families as best as possible. And now with all of this, for words of inspiration, we continue with the great Rabbi David Goldwasser. Rabbi Goldwasser, good morning to you, and thanks for joining us live at JM in the AM. It is a great simcha to be here together with everybody across the world. You know, uh, every Tishabov, when we have the privilege to be together, my first thought is, Saras Rabim Chatzinachama, how beautiful it is that we can share in our upset and the challenge of Tishabov together with so many thousands and hundreds of thousands across the world. Imagine how much that right now is multiplied. The fact that at a time like this when the shuls are not available, when all of us can be united through such an unbelievable medium as the Jewish music in the morning. It, the program serves the greatest purpose that has ever served throughout all the years with all that it has done, I believe, right now during these days. Appreciate that very much. We're trying our best to keep the community together, that people, especially those who are alone, especially those who are isolated, still feel a sense of community, feel brotherhood and sisterhood. Rabbi Goldwasser, I asked you really to join us for one purpose. Uh, I call it words of inspiration. We call it words of chizuk. But in this case, 
there's there's a little bit of a down feeling among those who are not able to go to shul. Obviously, some in Yanam around the world and some shuls around the world are open, and we understand that. But for many of us, especially the people in this audience, in the greater Jewish community, uh, synagogues are closed. I, I said on Friday that I remember my father, he began many synagogue appeals with the words, we are open 365 days a year. And since I know you, I don't think we know of a time, including Sandy and including blackouts and including you know, other challenging times where we've ever had to actually close shul. So what can you tell us this morning if we're looking for some words of inspiration when we don't have that uh, incredible feeling of praying together as a tzibor? The first is, of course, uh, we look to the Shulchan Aruch. How do we survive at this particular stage when we don't have our shul to go to, when we don't have the place where we all look to for chizuk and encouragement and strength? It is our home. The shul really is our home. So how do we get along without that home? I would like to uh, first say in Shulchan Aruch that when a person cannot daven with a minion, so they should daven about the same time that the minion would usually daven. And I think that if people will uh, gather uh, in their own homes, one or two or three members of the family, and daven together, we're really all going to be joined together. There's not a separation of Yidin no matter when. There was a fascinating idea that was expressed by the great Briskarov. The Briskarov had had to send a very faithful shliach of Israel by Shlomo Lawrence, if you remember. And the Briskarov sent him for an extremely important life-saving matter. And Rabbi Shlomo Lawrence had the yard site on that day when he was sent, and he was sent to France. On the day that he had yard site, was the first time in his life that he didn't have a shul and he didn't have a minion. Hmm. And worst of everything, he couldn't say the Kaddish. He completed his task successfully, and he came back to the Briskarov. And the Briskarov said, how did it go? And he told him that, you know, Baruch Hashem, he was successful and he accomplished the mission. But then afterwards, he couldn't resist. He said, but I didn't say Kaddish. The Briskarov said, you did say Kaddish. <laughs> At that moment, Rabbi Lawrence thought that maybe the Briskarov didn't hear him well. <laughs> they said, no, I didn't say Kaddish. The Briskarov repeated, you did say the Kaddish. This went back and forth until the Briskarov finally said, whenever you're not able to go to shul and you want with all of your might and with every rutzon inside of your body, you want to be there, but you're prevented for whatever reason it is. It is as though not only you went to shul, but you said the Kaddish. And by the way, this is very comforting, Rabbi Goldwasser, to those who have, over the period of many months, demonstrated a morning, afternoon, and night that they will never, ever miss a Kaddish in memory of their parents. Uh, Basically, they've already demonstrated that that's their attitude, as you just described. Well, uh, if I can bring something up, a little trivial at this time, you and I had a discussion about your own sons and their steadfast drive to make every minion. Right. And when we were arguing, 
in the middle of an important game, uh, I don't know, remember which baseball game, that they had wanted to leave. And you said, we'll make a, a, a later minion. And they were arguing with you. And we talked about it, and I said, oh, Malcolm, I bless every parent in this world to have that problem. I remember I remember which Cholomoid night you're referring to. It's pretty funny you're saying that. Rabbi Goldwasser is with us. By the way, Rabbi, we really have to emphasize two quick things because there are people concerned. By the way, this upcoming Shabbos, traditionally, I would daven for the Amud everything, like was my father's minig because my father's yard site is next week. And my father's minig, in addition, obviously, to giving Kiddush, which so many people do to Shabbos before. Uh, and I don't know how how how... how how smart an idea that is if the shul is open. I, I still don't. I know of a lot of shuls that did remain open, the smaller ones, uh, who certainly abolished their kiddush and shalashudas because of the circumstances in terms of distance from everybody else. Um, but this is a typical Shabbos where I would daven and my brothers would daven everything for the Ummud. So this is somewhat of a halachalamaisa, so to speak. But anyway, I think it's important to remind everybody that according to many rabbinic sources, many reliable rabbinic sources, the tradition of Kaddish has become extremely important over the centuries, and we know that. We know how important it is. I'm not minimizing it at all. But there are many rabbinic authorities who would say that it might even be uh, a better practice, or better is the wrong word. You may come up with a better word for it. It might be a better practice to study Mishnayis in memory of uh, the parent every single day, especially those days when Kaddish cannot be recited. I think it's an important recommendation to make for people at this time. 100%. And a person that can study to do a chesed or to give a little bit of tzedakah, there's a direct benefit to the neshama, to the departed soul, through that. Right. And it's, it's certainly very important to remember uh, at this time. Uh, another interesting idea we all feel bad there's certain things that we can't do. I've received within the past 24 hours Shaila's halacha questions that I never thought I would receive. Questions about weddings and postponing and bar mitzvahs that were supposed to take place and all kinds of things, whether to offer a chesed at this time or we should avoid any social interaction, including chesed. It's unbelievable. At this time, though, there's one thing that I see about Klau Yisrael. There is no one like Klau Yisrael. Mika Amcha. Every single Jew is united. doesn't matter what they look like, what they believe, what they don't, what they observe, what they don't. We are so one and unified in our drive to represent each other and to be there for each other that it pains so many people that they're not able to do all the things to shake hands. They asked me yesterday, if there's going to be a small wedding. They asked me, no hand touching, no, when you're dancing in the circle, you can't, there's not a way we can do it if everybody washes beforehand. Hmm. And the, hmm. the unity of Klal Yisrael is unbelievable. That achdus you don't find anywhere. Uh, there was a uh, very interesting uh, incident that happened with Reb Chaim Sanzer. And Reb Nachum, i got to say this to you, because your father, Zechert Tzadik Levracha, he was a shul. His life was a shul. His every breathing word was a shul. His every thought was to continue a shul and to keep it going. He was a rov 
that was not just a rov that had a shul also. His life was that shul. Mm. And for the family, for your family, and for all families, missing the shul is something that is, is very, it's very dear to us. Yeah. So there was an incident where the great Rav Chaim of Sons, the great Hasidic rabbi, had a number of people, and they were all gathered together with him, and they were davening. It happened to be that at one point in davening, everybody was crying. They were all moved. There was one guy, one Hasid, and he, he couldn't cry. And he was embarrassed. Everybody there is emotional, and they're pouring out their heart to Hashem, and he can't cry. He went in, they had a little kitchen. He went in there, and there was an onion. He cut the onion, <laughs> he put it under his talus, and he started crying. <laughs> However, the great Sansa Rebbe turned around and saw him. He caught him. The Chassid was very embarrassed. So following the minion, the Rebbe called him over. Come over here, he said. The Chassid came over, and he said, I want you to know. And the Sansa put his hand on his shoulder. He says, I want you to know, Hashem has more nachas. Hashem has more pride from you, who was upset that he couldn't cry and tried to get the tears in any way he could, than from all the Hasidim that cried on their own. Mm. So what I say is that we can't go to shul, and we can't daven with a minion, but Hashem knows the heart Hashem knows what's hidden in the recesses of our heart, and He knows how badly we want to go. And that should be as dear or even more precious than our actual going. You know, I'm gonna. I'm already starting. <laughs> this may sound ridiculous. I'm already starting to feel the elation that I'm going to feel when the shul reopens. And to me, that's a significant thing. If if this is if I'm already <laughs> anticipating. And pining for the day that the shul reopens, it, it must mean that shul is extremely, extremely important to me and my family. Ah. I think that it will never be the same again. It will be a whole different level. No question about it. A total renewal. No question about mm -hmm. it. We have to focus on the positive. Rabbi Goldwasser, I thank you. And, um, you know, we have an obligation, I'm sure you agree, to, to follow the words of those who are experts. You know, uh, the medical experts... Um, uh, in consultation, I'm sure, with the rabbinic authorities. Uh, we have an obligation to follow their directive, and I think the majority of them right now are encouraging all the important practices for good health and hygiene and distancing and every every precaution necessary to make sure that people don't get sick, make sure that people uh, don't have to, God forbid, be quarantined, etc. So I think you join me in reminding everybody to be as diligent as possible in this area. A hundred percent. The mitzvah that we have in Ishmarta Ma'od, the Torah says you have to be exceedingly careful in matters of health, not only for ourselves, but we have to keep our mind on the entire tzibur and all of the community. Uh, we shouldn't be affected, and chas shalom, we should not affect others. Reb Baruch Ber, who is considered to be one of the greatest of the last generation, Reb Baruch Ber Leibowitz, said that Ishmarta means you got to go the extra mile. Mm. Not just do exactly what is necessary, but you got to go beyond that. And I think when we have such brilliant doctors, uh, Dr. Glatt and Dr. Deitch and all the others that have uh, commented, and they have an idea and so closely tied to uh, halacha, 
that we have the uh, Baruch Hashem who to look up to, to understand all of the ramifications medically, and uh, it's it's up to us to listen very, very closely 100%. to their words. Thank you, Rabbi Goldwasser. Everybody should be healthy. Everybody should be inspired. Everybody should should pine for the day that the synagogues reopen and we can gather together and feel a bit seaboard. And I thank you so much for joining me this morning. Amen. Monday morning, there's Rabbi David Goldwasser, an extended version of Morning Chizuk, uh, a segment that I hope has brought inspiration and brotherhood and sisterhood to everybody around the world during these interesting times. 11 minutes before 8 o'clock, we're live in New York City on a JM the AM broadcast, hopefully encouraging everybody to stay tuned in and to gain from the inspiration that we are providing both musically and with the words that are being said on this show. We will, by the way, uh, speak with both Dr. Dietrich and Dr. Glatt coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, plus more if you keep it here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Monday with David Lowy and Mehera. You heard Malchuscha both by Ruby Barnett and before that Ohad. And it's 8 o'clock in the morning in America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. 
Round the world the web at NahumSegal.com and the NahumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Dr. Stuart Ditchick is with us live via telephone, in addition to him being a friend for the last 30 years. He's an amazing doctor, very well-known pediatrician, uh, someone who's well-respected in our community and beyond, and uh, an author of a book on medicine as well. And he is with us live via telephone, and I thank him for taking the time to join us this morning. Dr. Stuart Ditchick, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you so much. Also forgot your uh, uh, founder of uh, Kids of Courage, which I should mention as well. Uh, Dr. Dietrich, let's get right into it. Uh, there is, uh, and you can tell me if you agree with this or not, there is no excuse for any one individual or any organization or, um, or uh, um, a group uh, to not follow the recommendations of, um, of our government, which essentially is at this point you know, calling for very, very limited social interaction, uh, plenty of hand-washing and, uh, and uh, hygiene when it comes to uh, the possibility of spreading this coronavirus. And uh, I think you would agree that whatever recommendation and whatever, um, uh, uh, whatever, the, uh, whatever guidelines they have recommended must be followed at this time. Absolutely, and I think as a Jewish community, uh, we have to follow it even more stringently. Uh, as you know, uh, in addition to the government uh, regulations, the Jewish community or certain Jewish communities have been head of, ahead of the curve on this, uh, anticipating what the response would be from the government, the appropriate response, and trying to uh, get ahead of it because we have much uh, larger uh, populations within our own communities. We have great population density where we live, uh, and quite frankly, we have to do a better job than other communities because we're more coordinated. Uh, we speak to each other. We coordinate with each other. We have national uh, integration of our recommendations uh, across Jewish communities across the United States and certainly across the world at, at some times. Um is all, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, I'm just trying to understand, because obviously I know very little about medicine, is all of this uh, um, uh, because of what you've seen in other countries, meaning you're expecting that the way coronavirus has behaved in China, Italy, etc., it's the way it's going to behave here in the United States? Okay, so let's, you know, it's a great question, and let me just emphasize, we have two choices in, well, it's not two, but we have a number of choices to make in the next uh, two weeks in the United States. Uh, do we want to be uh, Italy, or do we want to be uh, China? Uh, uh, do we want to be uh, Italy or China, or do we want to be South Korea or Singapore? Those are the choices. And what that means is that countries that took proper immediate measures of social distancing uh, and specific uh, public health measures early in the crisis are the countries that are faring best, and I'll include in that South Korea, Singapore, Hong Kong. Those are the countries that took this pandemic very seriously from day one, implemented social distancing and other measures which we can talk about, uh, and the countries that waited and delayed implementation of these measures were the countries like, unfortunately, Italy and China. Italy is the country that we can most closely try not to mimic at this point. Italy is at a breaking point in terms of this pandemic. Uh, they are 
rapidly running out of ventilators and ICU beds. They've already reached that point. Uh, they are having to make decisions in Italy on uh, um, which lives are to be saved because they don't have enough ventilators. Uh, and quite frankly, the response in Italy uh, was not the sophisticated response that's taking place here in the United States, both on the federal and local levels and community levels. So we are trying to be South Korea Hong Kong and Singapore right now, not Italy or China, where or Iran for that matter, where obviously there's very little public health uh, sophistication and they're seeing deaths in the highest numbers. Where does Israel rank in all this? Israel, I believe, is doing very well. I think Israel took early measures. Uh, in fact, we learned a lot from the Israeli recommendations so far. I think it's important to people, uh, for people to keep in mind that Israel and the United States are very different countries, not only in terms of population size, but population density, uh, public health systems, etc. So not every recommendation that the Israelis do would we do, and vice versa. Uh, but the Israelis did the smart thing. They closed their borders down fairly early. Uh, they implemented, or they're trying to implement, social distancing. The Israelis are doing something today no other country has been able to do. They're using technology, uh, smart uh, uh, cell phones, to track positive coronavirus uh, victims or cases and seeing if they break quarantine, something that in the United States would be completely uh, undoable because of the civil rights laws. Right. So Israel's taking great measures, and from what I understand, they're doing very well. They also have a good number of ICU beds per capita in Israel. Uh, so I think the Israelis, uh, God willing, are going to do very well, as I think we will do very well if we follow the rules. Dr. Stuart Ditchick is with us live via telephone. Okay, on the assumption, and you just said that you think we're going to do very well, on the assumption that the segments of our community that have closed the synagogues, that have canceled the wedding celebrations, I'm not talking about the wedding ceremonies, you get my point, uh, about the one that took place on Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn last night with 1,200 people, I assume. Right? I you're hope, not talking about that one. I hope you're not being serious about no, that. No, I am serious. There was a wedding at Shari Zion Synagogue last night with 1,100, 1,200 people. Uh, livid. I can't. Livid is not the word that can describe my emotions about that this morning. Um, there have been community members in touch with the rabbis from Shari Zion last night to shut down that ridiculous uh, approach. There's another wedding scheduled for this coming Tuesday night, which I'm told the family is trying to uh, put off. But the you know there's been some difficulties dealing with uh, you know the the uh, logistics of that with the caterer, et cetera. They're figuring out the rabbis must shut down those large weddings. That, in my view, would be absolutely. Um, the most obscene thing, if I see what repeated last night in Brooklyn, uh, I think I'm going to move to Singapore. Now, one second. It, that being the case, and I hate to, you know, God forbid, I'll tiftach peh, but, but let me ask you from your expertise, are we, God forbid, in the segments of the community that have not taken these regulations seriously, the regulations that I just outlined a moment ago, are we, God forbid, going to see a lot of cases, a lot of positives? We're in... in in single instances where rules are broken, we will see secondary cases. There is no question that's been proven not only locally but nationally and internationally. Uh, anytime you break the rules to that extent and you allow large gatherings, uh, by the way, England did the same thing yesterday. They, they allowed a rock concert in England with, uh, I'm told, 20,000 attendees, one of the most ridiculous 
uh, ventures I've ever seen during a pandemic. Um, anytime you break the rules in large numbers like that, you will see secondary cases. And unfortunately, with this flu, uh, with this uh, COVID-19 infection, you will see deaths uh, in those who can't tolerate the infection. So people should understand community-wise, and we're talking about community level now, uh, we cannot break the rules. The rules of social distancing must be upheld now. We are two weeks away from where Italy was the two weeks prior. So, I mean, I mean, I'm not asking you for a rabbinic decision. After all, you're not a rabbi, and I'm sure you're the first to admit that. Uh, but, but based on what you know regarding medicine, you would never recommend for a synagogue to be open at this time. In my view, and again, this is, as you said, this is a decision for Rabbanim, not for me. I can only give my medical advice. I will tell you we had a very, very good uh, phone call last night with many of the prominent Brooklyn Rabbanim. Um, uh, 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 Rabbi Kenneth Alman headed up with Rabbi Toker and uh, uh, many of the other, Rabbi David Cohn. There were many Rabbanim on the call. Um, They were presented data from myself from Ruven Kofsky, a very prominent infectious disease doctor in Brooklyn, and from Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glad, who is extremely knowledgeable and prominent and, uh, individual in his own right and a wonderful infectious disease doctor. He's been leading up the efforts in the five towns in Far Rockaway. Um, and we all three presented the data to the Rabbanim with the recommendation, at least I, you know, my personal recommendation, was to close down shuls. Uh, many of the doctors agreed. Um, the Rabbanim were left with the decision. I was told this morning, I only received a text this morning, I checked in with one of the rabbis, that there was no consensus agreed upon closing shuls. I believe it was left to the individual rabbis to decide what they'll do with their individual shuls, but they did reach consensus on no large gatherings, such as weddings, varts, bris mila, things like that. In my view, uh, I would be extremely disappointed if I see a single shul open in my community today. Uh, and it, it, ha- it is very painful for me to say that because it's part of our uh, DNA to be in shul every day. Right. Uh, but right now we have to break our nature in order to save lives. And, and uh, in, in my medical opinion, every shul in the United States should be closed today, in um, my medical opinion. And the entire country? Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, when it comes to funerals, you would also agree the same thing, that uh, the smallest crowd possible, even even if only a minion is there, correct? The the recommendation from the five towns, Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glott told us last night, is that their funerals are being done graveside only with a minion, uh, I believe with a minion. Uh, I spoke to Rabbi Baum yesterday in Teaneck in Bergen County, who's taken the lead on on the policies cooperating with the medical community in Teaneck. In Northern Jersey, they are also only allowing uh, immediate family for uh, uh, things like uh, sh- um, uh, funerals. Uh, there should be absolutely no gatherings for funerals. There should be no gatherings for anything at this point other than uh, very critical situations. By the way, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go, so, so it's going to change. It's going to take a huge change in our mindset. And I want people to understand: we're not talking about. This is not a lifetime. We're not talking about telling people you will never be back in shul, you will never be back at funerals, you will never be back at bris milas. We're not telling them that. What we're telling people is if we want this event to occur, to occur over three to four weeks like it did in Italy, many lives will be lost. 
if we want this event to occur like it's occurring in South Korea or Singapore, this event will occur over about a nine or ten week period. What we're trying to do is slow the rate of infection so that people can be saved in the hospitals for those most seriously sick. That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about closing institutions for the rest of eternity. We're talking about a period of slowing down now the infection. And in order to do that, draconian measures have to be taken. And in the firm community, that means no large gatherings, period. My daughter was, uh, was invited to a VART Sunday night. I did not let her go. I encouraged her to let everybody know that nobody should be going to that VART. Uh, unfortunately, in the Brooklyn community, there were shuls that had Kedeshim on Shabbos, I am told, uh, despite the recommendations, those shuls that did not close. So I want everybody to hear this clearly. You should consult your Rav. Every Rav should answer for his own shul. If you're asking me as a medical expert uh, on this pandemic issue, as somebody who's privy to the data that I've been uh, asked to look at over the last few weeks uh, and to function in the community as a liaison, uh, I am telling you that the data is very clear. Synagogues, churches, shuls should be closed down now for a period that we need to define. We don't know if it's going to be a, f a few weeks or, or slightly longer. We do not know the duration of social distancing right now. If we're lucky, we can push through this thing in six to nine weeks. If we're not lucky, it's going to hit us in two to three weeks. And I assume that uh, you, you would recommend schools close as well. Oh, my Lord, uh, you know my position on that. I recommended school closures early last week. Uh, it took a huge battle to make that happen. Uh, there were battles within our community. There were battles at the level of the city and state government. Uh, I think, uh, quite frankly, Mayor de Blasio and the governor were a little late to the dance, only closing schools as of today. I think the schools should have been closed days ago. Many of the yeshivas did close last week. Uh, we will save lives by closing schools at this point. And let me explain to everybody why that is. Children, Baruch Hashem, do not die of coronavirus for the most part. Uh, the fatality rate in children uh, worldwide under the age of 9 or 10, there's been no fatalities reported to my knowledge. That is great news as parents. But as grandparents, the bad news is those same children who carry coronavirus, who incubate coronavirus, who may not be sick with anything other than a sniffle, can transmit that to their 75, 80-year-old grandparent. And that grandparent has a 14% mortality in some cases if they're 80 years and older. So that's why schools needed to be closed, because children... Uh, in contact with each other in close proximity for eight hours a day will pick up infections from other children. That's the nature of children. They pick up infections from other kids. They don't wash their hands. They don't wear masks, certainly. Uh, and they get a higher rate of infections in school. We know that from an epidemiology standpoint. So the schools were the first place to shut down. The shuls are important as well because, again, we're in shul three times a day on Shabbos. We're in shul in much larger numbers uh, over uh, Shabbos because many women attend and younger kids as well. Shuls are also a place where we cannot practice social distancing because it is impossible to enforce that everybody will stand eight or ten feet apart in a shul. It right. could happen in instances, yes, but overall we will break those rules. And every time we break the rule, things will happen. But, uh, I'm dealing with a case now of a, the, the first case I had in my practice last week of a positive 
uh, coronavirus case uh, in a family that's uh, sick right now with it. Thank God they're doing very well. They're young. Uh, however, uh, they were on an airplane. Uh, uh, many of them were on an airplane on the way back from the Midwest uh, last uh, week, and a very large number of people were now cross-infected on that airplane. Uh, this is serious stuff. When you're sick, you can get other people sick, uh, and we need to be cognizant of that. We have to take care of each other Bot- right now. Bottom line, if you value your life, and we are instructed by our tradition to do so, then follow the rules. Simple as that. Let me, let me just add one caveat to that. If you value the life of your senior citizen family member, if you value the life of your relative who has an underlying medical condition, you need to take care of each other. Young people, thank God, are not dying of this infection for the most part. I want to repeat that the fatality rates are primarily the high numbers are once you breach 60 years of age. 60 is a 3.5%, 60 to 70 fatality rate, 70 to 80 is about an 8% fatality rate, and unfortunately 80 and older is about a 14 to 15% fatality rate. Those are huge numbers. I hope everybody heard those numbers. Yeah. So we don't want to harm people who can't afford to get this infection. Uh, on the other hand, I, uh, you know, my wife instructed me this morning. <laughs> she said, you better give a positive message, and I am. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy that rabbis and community leaders are getting together now and talking and consulting doctors. And the uh, most positive message, we could beat this thing you're telling us. We can beat it. The, the, we will never be able to stop this infection. We will be able to slow this infection rate, and we can do it as a country. I think we're getting very good leadership overall. I do have criticisms across the board for all of our you know, political uh, entities in certain times. I think overall uh, we're, we're seeing very good leadership right now, especially at the federal level. I'm very impressed with Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci. I think he's been a great leader for us uh, advising the president, um, but... The but is that we have to slow this thing down nationally. The Rabbanim asked me last night, one of the Chashva Rabbanim asked me a question, why why do we have to be more aggressive in implementing measures than the non-Jewish citizens of New York City? That was the, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the question. And in other words, saying, why do we have to implement before the public schools? Why do we have to do social distancing more than other people do? There's a couple of answers. One of them is that we have more dense uh, contact with each other, we're with each other more frequently. The other is that we have grandparents who live with us within the community. But mostly we have to be a light, a shining light to other members of the non-Jewish world. I want them to see that Jews are acting correctly and appropriately. And if you want to see examples of it, look at Bergen County, the the Vod of Bergen County, how they cooperated with the hospitals and closed things down early. Look at the efforts of Rabbi Dr. Glott in the five towns and the Vod of the five towns and all the community leaders there that are gradually trying to shut down every shul and school over there to save lives. So, and Brooklyn, we're making great efforts as well. We have a much bigger population in those areas. And I've been battling this battle for weeks now, uh, but we're finally making headway. And I think we're going to reach the point where I am a little concerned is where elements of certain communities in Williamsburg and Borough Park are going to function, and Lakewood as well. I think we need to get a wake-up call in those communities right now. Dr. Dietrich, I thank you very much. Thanks for your leadership, and thanks for spending all this time with us this morning. Thank you so much, Nahum. Dr. Stuart Dietrich, there you go. He's got a lot to say regarding the uh, 
coronavirus in our community, and I thank him for um, summing it all up for us this morning. We will get to Rabbi Glatt in just a few minutes. We do have a couple of minutes with Jake Novak. Jake Novak, of course, in addition to hosting Novak Now, Mondays at 11 a.m. here on the Nahum Siegel Network, is a freelance editorial columnist, former executive producer of the Kudlow Report, knows everything about politics and the world of finance. Jake, thanks so much for joining us here at JMM. I apologize for the delay, but, you know, when you're speaking to doctors, it takes time sometimes. <laughs> that's right, that's right, and that's uh, <laughs> more important is to get the health uh, health uh, warnings out there. So did absolutely. It, I'll try to do this quickly. I apologize again for the time. Did anybody win last night's debate? No. Uh, first of all, I'm sure the viewership is going to be lower than the pre than it would have been had everything been normal. Um, I will, in some ways, I will say yes. I think the American people won a little bit in that it could have been worse. I was expecting both Biden and Sanders to really stoke the panic fires because you know they want to make they want to try to blame this all on President Trump right. and make it sound as bad as it possibly can be. And they did not do that. They did not offer much encouragement. They did not offer anything, I think, for people to hang their hat on in a positive nature, but they did not go over the cliff on trying to stoke panic as much as they could have. So I think we won in that on that in that sense. And are, are we winning or losing this morning? Because I'm told that when the markets open a little over an hour from now, things are going to be plummeting. Is that accurate? That's true. And uh, it's more fuel to a fire that I've been Stoking. I've been stoking my own fire for the last few days, which is I am really calling for closing the markets for two, for two days or so, maybe even three. And I'll explain why. The markets right now are not acting rationally. In other words, we saw President Trump give a news conference on Friday, right before the market closed, and the markets closed up 1,900 points. They soared thousands of points, more than 1,000 points, just in a, in a few minutes. Um, they are going wildly on every little bit of speculation, but most importantly, the markets really don't know what they want right now. The, I, I'm hearing some people saying, well, we want a stronger federal policy economically, and others are saying, no, we're just waiting to see the number of coronavirus cases go down. If that's the case, if they don't really know what they're looking for, they need a couple of days to sort of figure it out. And that doesn't mean that after a two-day break, they're going to open up higher and everything will be great. But what it does mean is that they'll be more focused in the markets. And I've got history to back me up on this. We closed the markets for several days after the September 11th uh, attacks. Right. And yes, they did go down for the day or so after that, but then we went up, we closed up for the, you know, by, by the time we were in December, we were higher than we were. Right. And of course, during the Depression, we closed the banks for about a week. And after that, the people came back to the banks to put their money back in. So we need a psychological break from all of this. And uh, that, to me, the market is just proving me right today, this morning. Jake Novak is with us live, uh, long term. Uh, you know, the doctor who was just with us, and I'm sure other doctors would say, we, we obviously don't know how long this is going to last. Right. Uh, we're looking at uh, minimum, I don't know, somewhere between three and ten weeks, I guess, depending on who you speak to. You know, you're getting different predictions, hopefully not longer than that. Uh, does the market just continue to go south as, as the weeks of non-productivity in this country continue? No, the markets will turn higher before even we get stronger, a, a rebound in the economy. Remember, the markets are always forward-looking. They don't look at, say, oh, there was a bad earning. You know, for example, you can have a good earnings report if you're a company, but if you guide poorly for the future, your stock's going to go down. They're not going to reward you for the past. Right. And vice versa is also the case. If you don't really live up to expectations, if things are going to be hurt because of the coronavirus and we know they're going to be bad in a number of industries, some industries will do well. The Costco's, the Amazon's, and the grocery stores are, are, and the Target's are going to have an incredible quarter. I mean, they're going to have breakout numbers. But 
the markets are, will always be forward-looking, which means that we'll see the turnaround in the markets probably even before we hear an all-clear from the health organizations, which is very interesting. It's one of the reasons why you have to watch the markets. You know my saying, the markets are often wrong, but they never lie. So if they think things are going to get better, you'll see two, three days in a row of rallies. So that's one of the things to look at. Can it happen this week, or there's no way we're up at the end of this week? Uh, it could happen this week because you could see some... Uh, you could see a, a reduction in the number of new cases per day. I don't, you know, listen, I know a lot of doctors probably not expecting that. I, I wouldn't put, I, I think that's a less than 50-50 chance, but that could happen. We could, if we start seeing a reduction in the new cases every day, if that number starts going down from one day to the next, then yes, I think the markets would start to rally pretty quickly on that. But I, again, I agree with you. I think that this is more of a next week thing or maybe in two weeks out. By the way, 12 years ago, people said to me, pay careful attention which car companies the U.S. government is saving and invest in those companies. Would you say the same thing about whichever airlines they decide to save? Yeah, well, I don't know if there's going to be any any chance for that kind of a blanket thing. I, I think it's going to have to be a blanket thing. I think if there's going to be, I would like to see the airlines get certain loans, uh, delay, you know, delay payments on their loans, maybe even some tax relief. But what I really look at is some of these companies right now that are coming out with some of these uh, potential vaccines. There's a company called Moderna out of Massachusetts that is going to have a trial of its vaccine today on a human. I mean, they're really fast-tracking this. I wouldn't put your life savings in it, but, you might, but if you're a day trader, people who are listening would like to maybe trade a stock one day to the next, that's a wild stock today. It's been up 8%, and then the next minute I looked, it was up 3%. It's going wildly back and forth. But to answer your question, I think the airlines are going to get a blanket, either going to get nothing or, they're going to get, or all of them are going to get something. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look for a, a particular winner in the airlines. Are you doing a show for us today? Yes, and we'll be looking at, obviously, this and some of the big developments in Israel as well. It's been uh, coronavirus is trying to play a role in, uh, in answering some of our questions in, in the Israeli politics. But so far, we're not seeing, uh, from some major, major players, we're not seeing them step up to the plate, even though the coronavirus is an, is an issue there. All right, so, so at 9 o'clock, people could hear Mayor Weingarten's uh, opinion right. about a unity government, and at 11 o'clock, they could hear Jake Novak's opinion about a unity government. Jake, thank you so much. We appreciate the time. My pleasure. Everyone stay healthy. Oh, yes, that's the most important thing. Jake Novak here visiting us at JM in the AM. Monday morning as JM in the AM continues.
Ashira has ours, Ashira has ours, Lashem, 
J.M. in the A.M. That's Aryeh Kunstler, Az Yashir. Avram Avram Fried before that with Kapara and Sameach. I thank uh, Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glad, who's assistant rabbi at the Young Israel of Woodmere and who is the um, uh, chair of the Department of Medicine at Mount Sinai, South Nassau, serves as chief of infectious diseases and is the hospital's epidemiologist, also board certified in infectious diseases and internal medicine, and, and Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glad certainly as um, as usual in a medical situation, especially one uh, dealing with the vast community, has become one of the experts that uh, everyone has turned to over the last couple of weeks. Rabbi Glad, a, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Rabbi Glad, how difficult a decision is it to close a major synagogue? And frankly, because of your expertise in the medical area, should I assume that that everybody in the synagogue, including its leadership, simply deferred to you in terms of how to handle it? So, undoubtedly, this was the toughest recommendation I've ever had to make in my entire rabbinical or or medical career. Uh, this is a decision that fortunately has uh, tremendous ramifications for individuals, for Kai Yisrael, for everyone. And it is unbelievably sad, and at the same time, unbelievably important that people follow this. I had discussions with numerous Gedola Yisrael. I had discussions with numerous infectious disease experts and colleagues. This is not something I would ever take upon myself alone. And the medical opinion is getting close to being absolutely unanimous that we need to take these draconian measures. And even those that say we don't need to take draconian measures say that we need to take unbelievably stringent methods of social distancing. And I unfortunately think that it will be a absolutely unanimous medical opinion, and I think that the government is adding restrictions almost on a daily basis. The right. CDC came out yesterday to now limit gatherings to 50 people. Originally, New York State had cut it down to 500 people gatherings and had changed us the room capacities to half the room capacities we recognize from the experience in china south korea and japan and singapore in italy unfortunately in seattle that this illness will spread rapidly and will impair the ability of the medical community of hospitals to take care of sick patients who don't have 
this coronavirus. We don't have COVID-19. People can come in for a heart attack, and there's not going to be a respirator for them. Their staff will be quarantined. There are huge issues in the medical provision of care that people don't even realize that this illness could impact. Besides its own obvious mortality that this illness causes, especially in older people, and older is defined in a number of different ways, but the mortality goes up once you hit 50, 60, for sure, 70, 80. The mortality increases. Baruch Hashem, the, the silver lining in this, in this cloud over here is that children, young children especially, seem to be almost, I wouldn't say immune, they get very, very mild colds. They get very, very mild illness from this. And Liayin Hara, Al-Tiftapel is something. There doesn't seem to be any serious complications in the younger children under 15 years of age. So that's a little bit of a of a nechama for parents and grandparents that they they always so worried about their children. Obviously, the children seem to be relatively safe, but they obviously can pass this on to their parents, grandparents, great grandparents. Right. We live in a time where people have great grandparents. Yeah, and of course, we remind everybody that in 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 history there have been plenty of these diseases and epidemics that have afflicted children first. We have to really be thankful for that. Right, Dr. Aaron Glad is with us. So I, I don't want to I don't want to be silly because when I would assume this is a question you've been asked uh, a million times in the last couple of weeks, uh, and maybe you do regard it as a silly question. Uh, how long is this going to last? Is there any idea? Is there any way to measure how many weeks we're going to be going through the regulations and precautions that we're now currently under? So I was always told by Rabbi and Abay Shalomid, if you're afraid to ask questions, <laughs> you're in trouble. There's no such thing as a silly question, and this is the question. This, if I knew the answer to this, I, I would be a great person, but I unfortunately don't. Um, we're all guessing. This is all brand new for us. We have lots of other models. Uh, the, the SARS novel coronavirus, which is very similar but different in a lot of ways to this virus, has taught us a lot. Unfortunately, we do not know whether... The warmer weather will make an impact. We're all certainly hopeful that that will help. We do not know whether this will have its own um, life and will continue, will be seasonal, will it stop, will it go away. There, there unfortunately are no known answers at this point in time. It will take time to tell us what some of these answers are. Unfortunately, for the immediate future, this isn't going away. I can't see this going away for weeks, maybe months. Uh, I don't want to give uh, any any uh, minimal or maximal number because it would be a total guess. And I don't want to panic people, and people shouldn't panic. Right, but we're all, but we're also trying to give people a realistic outlook. Uh, the the seder, the Pesach seder, is three weeks from Wednesday night. Anyone who thinks that life is going to be normal when Pesach arrives is likely being unrealistic. Would you safely say that? So I'm. Certainly hoping that Mashiach is going to come, and then life will be very, very wonderful and normal. But the outside chance that Mashiach doesn't come by then, Nisan is the month of Gula. We're about to enter into Gula. If that doesn't, uh, unfortunately, occur, then yes, this Pesach will be Manishtana Hashanah Hazu, we call Hashanos. Why will this Pesach be different than every other year? We're going to be making recommendations if things go the way they are then maybe this isn't the time to have the greatest family siddharm and bring everybody in from all the different neighborhoods and all the different communities and gather at Bobby and Zadie's house. Right. That may not be the smartest thing to do. Right. Because we, we really need to limit social interactions of a direct personal contact. Now, I want to stress, and this is very important, we stress and encourage people to go outside, take walks, go, go outside. You don't have to isolate yourself in your house but minimize interactions 
directly, face-to-face with other people as possible. And that's why we've made the recommendation with Ascom of many, many Gedoli Yisrael, the Gedoli Yisrael who we've explained this to. I don't want to mention the names of these Gedolim, but they all said, this is something that is an immediate dangerous thing. You can't rely upon that the normal protective benefits of Torah and Davini, of course, always provide, but in the setting of Shrikha Ezekah, when the damage is right there in front of you, and is potentially a real damage, and not just the theoretical damage, you cannot halachically rely that Davini will save us, and that learning will save us, which of course they do, but not that you can't ignore the risk in front of you. This is the Psaq for many Gidola Yisrael, from all different camps, not yep. just from one camp, from all the different camps. I've spoken with Gedolim from all the different camps. Rabbi Glad, uh, someone asks the following question. If these restrictions mean uh, that, w- that if these restrictions mean we th- that we that we are assuming any or all of us who still go to work, etc., can technically be a carrier, does that therefore mean that we should all limit or curtail our interactions with the elderly and those who are at higher risk? Unfortunately, and I say that with such sadness, yes. If a person has parents, older parents, grandparents, the Baruch Hashem, they can do well on their own. They don't need somebody physically there. So then interact with them every second you can via the telephone, via FaceTime, WhatsApp, all the technologies that we have so they can see the grandchildren. They can interact as much as possible. But a grandchild with a little sniffle and a cold and a, and a, a little COVID could be a fatal disease for an older grandparent. And it is a smart thing to do for older people to limit their interactions, especially, but everybody needs to limit their interactions as much as is possible. Anybody that can work from home should work from home. And it's smart have- and it's smart for us to behave as if we're God forbid carriers. Absolutely. And people need to wash their hands. If anybody is sick, I've spoken with many Gidolim who said it's usur, usur for a person to go out also for a person to go out if they're sick at this point in time because you don't know what you have and you could literally, literally be killing people when you go outside. You you feel good enough. You have a cough. You have some fever. But you feel fine. And in previous years, you go out to work, you go to shul. So it's also, the Gedolim have told me. Yeah, I it's guess the, the word would be symptomatic. Not, not even sick where someone might avoid going out, but if they're just symptomatic where they feel okay, they can't go out. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is mamish pikuach nefashos. It's sakanas nefashos. People have to realize the seriousness of this. Rabbi Glad, it seems every weekend in the last two, three weeks, there's been you know a major corner turned in our community. Um, maybe it just seems like that calendarically, but it does seem as the as each Shabbos goes by, um, we become a little smarter. Do you, do you think that this is finally the week when every segment of our community will stop the large funerals, will stop the wedding celebrations, will stop uh, keeping their shuls, especially large shuls. I'm not talking about the 10 people you know, who are gathering in a home for whatever reason they've decided to do it. I'm talking about you know, the, the, the large shuls. Do you think this is finally the time where we're going to see every segment of our community participate in these regulations? I, I hope, I hope, I beg people, this is dangerous to have a, a, a wedding at this point in time with other than an absolute minion. We've put out guidelines there are abundant in the five towns, abundant in many other places. Gedoli uh, Yisrael put out guidelines, the OU has put out guidelines, the Goodes put out guidelines. 
to have large gatherings right now is sakanas nefashos. What is the heck that have to be 100 people at a wedding? If you must have a wedding, Rav Shech Shlita said it's even okay to postpone a wedding if that's what the couple wants to do. But if they want to get married still, you have a minion mitzumsum. You have 10 people at the wedding. You have the Masada Kedusha, one rabbi. You don't have seven rabbis over there. The rabbis might like to institute this all the time. You, you, <laughs> this is one of those regulations they may try to keep, huh? <laughs> you want to have two Aiden Sherim and the immediate family. Right. I hate to say this, the immediate family maybe should not include the grandparents and the great-grandparents if they are of an age that there's a potential sakana. And, may, and, may, have, and, maybe not should, and maybe not include all the cousins if that'll be a total of 80 people. No, of course not. It should be the immediate family, the siblings of the Chassan and Kala, and nobody else. That has to be, if you want to have the wedding, have the big Simcha party a year later, uh, in the summer. Have whatever you want to have that is not halachically mandated from a wedding at a different time. We're, we're recommending no words, no Sholem Zochers, no Sheva Brachos, other than the people that would be in the house anyway. Right. If, if you have Kenayin Ahari, nine boys, and yourself, of course, have a minion in your house. But that's because you're all living together. But don't invite neighbors over. We don't recommend that people should make minyanim on their block. The worst thing is to pack in 30 people into a basement that's 10 by 10 and have a minion over there. You're guaranteeing that you're going to spread the illness. Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glatt, and of course, uh, uh, Rabbi Glatt, uh, in addition to being a doctor, you are a rabbi, and therefore I must end with a philosophical note. You know, we, we have noted more than once uh, on this program over the years, the power of tefillah b'tzibor, the power of communal prayer. And it's not lost on anybody. Anybody who runs to shul, like so many of us, thank God, do on a regular basis, and I'm talking about every day, not just Shabbos, uh, obviously understand the power of it. And even the Rav, who had very interesting uh, points of view when it came to tefillah b'tzibor, if you look at his machzer for Rosh Hashanah, and we've discussed this with Rabbi Ganak more than once on the air, uh, e- even he um, uh, discusses how 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 I, I'm now putting in the numbers how tefillah b'tzibur is 100 percent tefillah b'yachid individually you know could be viewed as one percent that type of thing. I am hoping and Rabbi Glad, I'm turning to you for a little philosophy in your role as a rabbi. I am hoping that the pain that all of us are feeling when we could, when we are not able now to go to shul, I hope that that will show the one above that that will demonstrate to the one above communally and collectively around the world just how anxious we are to get back to our synagogues and just how much we miss it and how we've proven because of our diligence on a daily basis to be there as much as possible. I hope that that is going to be somewhat of a nechama for the one above when unfortunately the houses of worship in our community are closed. So absolutely. We just read the Megillah. It said the reason why Haman thought that we were ripe for attacking was because we're on the Fuzar Muforod. Right now we're physically an on the Fuzar Muforod, a separated people. We have to unfortunately be separate. But the answer, the, the solution to this type of a problem is Lech Kinosis Kala Yehudim. So we can't physically gather at this point in time, but we have to do everything in our power. To gather, we have to make sure the people who may now be alone at a seder that all their needs are taken care of. We have to make sure that older people who Baruch Hashem are healthy enough; they don't need physical help. 
they shouldn't be isolated. A Nebuchadnezzar widow who's healthy, Baruch Hashem, but she's now alone. So we have to try to make sure that she's not alone. We have to make sure that people call and check on her. There's ways of checking that don't involve significant risk. We have to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I, I tell people, you're not going to Minyan in the morning, which is a horrible thing for so many people. People have not missed Minyan for years, for decades. I haven't been for the first time in a long time. This past Shabbos. And at the same time, I said to myself, I'm going to dive in a little bit slower. Yeah. And I told people, the extra time that you're not saying Chazar HaShashat, so make your Shmonastri twice as long. Right. You're not saying Kurbanos every day. The time that you travel to Shul and travel home, say the full Kurbanos every day. Say the capital of Tillam for the day. At the end of Davide, now you have time. You're not rushing home. You're already home. And I told people, dress up to Davide at home. You're not dressing up for neighbors. You're not dressing up for, for, for Shabbos. Outside, you're dressing up for the Shabbos inside. Wear your Shabbos clothing if you're davening at home. Wear your nice clothing when you're davening. Don't daven in the bathrobe if you don't if you don't have to. Get dressed in your house. Show covered for the davening. Daven slower. This is a chance to show Hakadosh Baruch Hu that you're doing everything to give us a nisayon right now, and we're going to surpass this nisayon. We're going to become closer to you, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and not further away because of the harchaka, because you pushed us away physically. But we're going to get closer to you spiritually, and we'll be all closer together as a nation. Be'ezus Hashem, we can make this nisayon into a very positive thing, and not Rachman Litzlan into a dangerous magefa. Phenomenal. Thank you, Rabbi Glad, for your words of inspiration. Much appreciated. Stay healthy, and everybody, everybody listening, everybody around the world should stay as healthy as possible during these challenging times. Amen. Can you hear us so? Thank you for Thank having you me. Thank you so much. Monday morning broadcast, five minutes before 9 o'clock, JM in the AM. An amazing lineup today of uh, individuals who have given us important information and uh, real inspiration. How long will this last? We don't know. We don't know. And there are people who would say, let's all work as hard as possible. Over the next three weeks, we can be in shul for Pesach. Let's work as hard as possible. Maybe we'll get to shul even, even quicker than that. Let's all work as hard as possible because there's simchas coming up that we all want to be part of. Whatever the case may be. But um, the bottom line is we'll continue to be as diligent as possible, following all the regulations and trying our hardest uh, to, uh, to beat this thing as a worldwide community. More coming up five minutes before the hour. It's JM in the AM.
Coming up, Mayor Weingarten is next for the live edition of the Israel Show. Prime Minister Netanyahu's strong leadership of Israel during the corona crisis is lauded even by his enemies. A summary of where Israel is at and what's expected next in the corona crisis. President Rivlin bestows upon blue and white leader Benny Gans the mandate to form a government, plus the not-to-be-missed weekly Israeli music mix and more. It's all coming up next. Make sure to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel Show, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. Check it out. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSingle.com, and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Monday here at the Nachum Siegel Network. My thanks to Rabbi Goldwasser. My thanks to uh, Dr. Ditchik. My thanks to Jake Novak. My thanks to uh, Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glatt. My thanks to all of you for tuning in. We will convene as a community tomorrow morning starting at 6 a.m. Eastern Time or earlier. Tune in starting at around 5. I'll try to get in here as early as possible tomorrow. And we will convene as a community all through the day. Mayor Weingarten is live next. Jake Novak is live at 11 a.m. Great music all day. Let us continue to be a community and tune into each other by listening to NSN to the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Monday. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.